0: Okay, dear listener, this is a continuation of the podcast from last week, part two. The discussion I had with Paul and Joe uh, to do with Indigenous matters, largely. And here we go. Just g- getting back to the building analogy, and people might think this is a crazy analogy, but it's um, mm, it's
1: uh, a reasonable. Let's, one. let's
0: let's work with it. Um, so I say the solution was to consult with disabled persons and experts and come up with a plan to transition buildings to enable disabled access. Now, imagine, here's one of the problems. Imagine if they set up an advisory body made up of disabled people that define disabled people as anyone who's a descendant of a disabled person, whether or not they've lived, they have lived experienced as a disabled person. That's to sort of highlight one of the issues of choosing people as representatives of Indigenous people. I and, and,
1: don't think that's, that analogy holds.
0: Well, let me, you know, when we're looking at Indigenous issues
1: and, and
0: overcoming Indigenous problems, our mind typically turns to remote communities as one of the first um, areas that we think about and just the images that we see coming out of those communities. And if we have on these special bodies people who are not from that background and not from that experience, they, you know, if if uh, if they don't have that lived experience themselves, they're no different to you or me potentially. So just having an identity as Indigenous does not necessarily make you somebody who's appropriate to advocate on behalf of people who whose experience might be completely foreign to an inner-city lawyer Indigenous person whose parents are both doctors and who went to private school and who is then purporting to... Um, to speak on behalf of remote Indigenous
1: communities, but I don't think that's—I—I I, I feel like that's conflating very different contexts. And to let to sort of draw a parallel to the building, mm. right? If if someone said, um, "Well, as a blind person, um, I'm the sole." Person that gets to decide how this building is constructed, then we'd say, no, actually, we should consult a wide variety of people. Mm. I don't think Joe's gone. um, I don't think that anyone in the Uluru statement is saying that a person from Redfern is the only person that's qualified to talk to from you know to talk about the problems in Uendamu That's why you have a council. That's why you have a wide variety of people, because the person that has come from Redfern may be well placed to talk about the problems in Redfern. Might be. So you get person person from Redfern to talk about the problems from Redfern. You get the person from Uendemu to talk about the problems from Uendemu and the overall result of maybe that, they have in, different in problems them, they may well be and this is this is obvious so maybe I mean, they're you know, not the this,
0: Yuru... maybe they're not a homogenous group sure
1: but neither are australians
0: so right? so maybe it's not appropriate to have a a an indigenous commission purporting to speak on behalf of what is an incredibly disparate group maybe their aspirations and thoughts and feelings. Just going back to the analogy, just to point out how it works, back to our disabled people one body. So imagine if the new body was tasked not only with advising about physical access needs of the disabled, but also tasked with promoting the commonly held ideological aspirations of the disabled community as if they have a common ideology on the basis that I'm all dis- sure on how. the basis that all disabled people think the same the point is um, if you have disabled representatives speaking about the discrete topic of how do we fix disabled access to a building then it's easy to imagine a common a common response by disabled people as to the best ways of fixing things. It's it's easy to imagine they would have agreement on well, no. on, on on but Joe's saying not even on that level. But but I'm just not even on that level not, because
2: a blind person is going to have different access requirements to a person in a wheelchair. Okay, for sure.
0: sure. But let's just talk about wheelchair access for example. If we're just talking about we've got a set of stairs, we've got a way of getting through to a lift or ramp or whatever. It's easy to imagine people coming to a common view of, of how this is best solved. But when we're talking about Indigenous affairs, we're talking about, uh, it's not about uh, such a physical, discreet uh, topic that is, that is so common to all. We're talking about things where people have vastly, potentially different opinions on how things should be done. And for a... A body to purport to represent Indigenous people smacks of of well, they all think the same. So, of course, they're all going to think along these lines. Fundamentally, what our
1: government already asserts in in what sense representative democracy essentially asserts that the prime minister, as the elected the person who's been elected by his party or his or her party to be the leader of that the the um party that wins the most seats in federal government uh, they get to remp- represent Australia. Yes. Um, that's what represents. but they don't, see, behalf, they don't pretend to speak on behalf
0: they don't pretend to speak
1: they do a, all the time well, well, Scott Morrison uh, did this all, the, did well, well, all a, the time. A good leader you know, a good leader about often quiet a good, Australians
0: a good leader after a victory has often said look, I thank the people who voted for me, but I recognise there were people who didn't vote for me and I'm going to try and win your vote next time. Sure. Right? I mean, and that's the reality of how we think about uh, uh, our elected politicians is that we know that they don't speak on behalf of everybody. We know it. You know it. It's, it's, It's insulting to Indigenous people to suggest that a body could could speak on behalf of what are such different communities the the indigenous community in a city compared to a no, remote I- community that the there the, are the, the the thought that they think the same
1: uh, is insulting. I don't think anyone is asserting that they have to think that just by having a body that therefore everyone thinks the same in the same way. That's that's my government analogy. The mm. point, the point is that we would be foolish to assume that the prime minister speaks for all Australians, mm. or that you know, your local yeah. member. Absolutely, absolutely represents the views of every single person so, in that electorate. Yeah, so, so, it, it, so, so, they, so the the idea that what what you seem to be, what I'm saying here is that I that I reject the premise of your argument that the the there is a an invalidity in having a First Nations voice because there cannot be one voice, and I don't. I don't think, firstly, I don't think it's purporting to be the the true voice that speaks absolute truth for every single Aboriginal person, but also what I would still say is it's much more likely to represent the actual views of Aboriginal people than Tony Abbott or, you know, whoever Scott Morrison might, um, appoint as his Minister for Aboriginal People. Um, that That is, you know, when John Howard worked diligently to abolish ATSIC, he did it on exactly that basis, that we're all one Australia and therefore we shouldn't have a separate voice telling us different things, which is a falsehood.
0: What is the Uluru statement? Is it not a purported statement on behalf of Indigenous people?
1: It, it's, it's there are people that walked out of that conference. People that haven't there, there are Aboriginal people that haven't signed up to it. But that is but does does it, does it acknowledge in there that, that people does it that acknowledge is the that form that um, uh, that the majority of those people came to after what I understand to be Mm. months of deliberation of going Mm. to every community that they could, Mm. getting representatives from all across Australia, from the, Mm. from the, you know, Mm. from Redfern to the Pilbara, whatever. Um, It's, you know, so 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 me the, so, the reductionist so, argument that says well so, this must be one true thing is, so so the is body a bad so
0: the body is then in, representing indigenous people is going to say uh on this particular issue of um religious pastors entering uh remote communities uh, 45% of our members think this and the other half think that and uh Dear parliament of Australia, please take that into account. Um, okay,
1: is, is like, that, I is that no the value idea of it? What? Why is, not? That well, that would be perfectly good if it was like that, because it would do, at do, least do, tell those members of Parliament more than they at, get at the moment, which is the on, only the representation representation of their own electorate. So, do we need a body to do that?
0: If that's if it's yes. really just if it's really just a body that says. Uh, we've surveyed our members and this is what they think because ultimately it, they it can't is, purport to speak on behalf of their members because they're unelected. For
1: Exactly the same reasons is, that we cannot trust builders mm-hmm. to um, to voluntarily build a building that is disabled friendly without having laws and without having a... Consultative committee, and without having a whole process built into the ar- the whole engineering and architecture s- design of a building that says we need to think about these things. Where do we find that information from? From disabled advocates and from disabled um, support groups. Where do we find out? Yes, and from
0: let's have an atsic or let's have a group whose job is to find out what. Indigenous people want, yes, but but, but what is this empower the special power to be granted to Indigenous people? Because that's beyond I mean, that's beyond a survey taking role. It is it, it is a, an empowerment of some sort, and it's and it's a power that's going to be wielded by some people. That language from and it's, and it's going to be. A, from the uh, from the from the statement itself, it says. Okay. Um, so it's the one, two, three, four, fifth, six, sixth, last paragraph. We seek constitutional reforms to empower our people and take rightful place in our own country. Okay. When we have power over our own destiny, our children will flourish. They will walk in two worlds, and their culture will be a gift to their country. I mean, I talked
1: about yeah. division. So. That it's all. I feel like that's a misreading of power here. I don't think that that is saying we want power over anyone. I think that is simply saying we are disempowered at the moment, mm. and we would like our own self determination back. Well, well, we would like equal power with white people. Is that what you're saying? The
0: the meaning? That's not how I read it.
1: That um I it's, don't think it's particularly talking about the power of white people but I is think, this separate I mean, but ultimately equal? I would say yes right sorry sorry Joe uh,
2: is this separate but equal so so we have our own effectively uh Parliament that makes laws for the indigenous that is separate from
1: I mean there's the 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 Sami people have a Sami parliament in um, Sweden, Finland, and that reports to the Swedish parliament and the Finnish parliament on Sami matters, and it helps them form laws that govern the Sami people, even though neither Sweden nor Finland recognise the Sami as, as having sort of a land that is, like, here's the border kind of thing. Um, so I feel like that's a kind of separate but equal model. Is that if, what you're if talking just about, rep- If
0: they're just reporting about the Sami people, then, then that's not about power then.
2: No, it, it's more, you know, um, if you take somewhere like Malaysia, if you are Muslim, there are Sharia courts, there are Sharia laws that apply only to Muslim people. And therefore, would there be Aboriginal laws that only apply to Aboriginal people or white people laws that only apply to white people? Because I that's the concern.
1: No, I have no idea, but I can't imagine that getting very far, even with Aboriginal people, because nothing in that, to me, uh, in the way that I read it, in the, you know, based on the discussion that I've heard about it, says we want, our own laws we want our we want to be separate to you it's in in, it's in fact saying we want to walk with you we want us together as australian people um and you know on a practical (laughs) sense i don't think that they would you know any law that said um This law only applies to Aboriginal people, would actually get anywhere in Australian Parliament, or it applies only to. I'd hope not. You know, um, Swedish people, or, you know, um, people who
0: are left handed, you know, I don't know. See, it says here these dimensions of our crisis tell plainly of the structural nature of our problem, which implies a structural solution is required. And it goes on, this is the torment of our powerlessness.
1: Yeah. Um, Disempowered. Yeah. But it's different. That's a different process. Sorry, that's a different quality of thing to having, to taking power. Mm. So, look, if it's just a matter of
0: reporting what, what... are the thoughts and wishes and needs and problems of Indigenous communities? Then,
1: no problem. Like, sure, but and that's but, what happened to ATSIC. Yeah. Bob Hawke brought about ATSIC hmm. because um, Gough Whitlam had formed one body to have um, to be an Aboriginal voice to Parliament, and Fraser abolished it. So Bob Hawke brought back ATSIC. Um, and John Howard abolished it. Mm -hmm. So what what the Aboriginal people are saying is we cannot trust anything that a parliament can then dissolve. We have to have this enshrined in our constitution. And now I will admit that I don't think this is a great solution because I don't really want these things written into our constitution. I think it would be great if there was an end date, but I absolutely cannot i could not say okay by twin you know by 2300 racism will be abolished so i think no end date and when and the point at which this becomes irrelevant we will already have voted to abolish it so but until then so
0: it's the enshrining in the constitution of a reporting function
1: I think that's a very—it's a simplistic way of looking at it, but yes.
0: Well, interesting to see what is proposed. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I agree. The fear uh, is uh, that it's it's more contemplative of special rights uh, rather than just yeah. a reporting of and a recommendation of of assistance. It's
2: I,
1: but this I, is I, exactly I... the same argument that, um, you know, it was run against, um, uh, you know, pick a, a bunch of things like marriage equality or um, the the ability, you know, it, making it easier to be divorced. Um, you know, giving, I mean, even, you know, given, giving, giving, Women's suffrage. The the argument was, well, you know, um, think of the consequences. What 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 terrible things could happen if we allow women to vote? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's turned out actually just to be representative of our society. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I, but I, no one's saying that I'm, Aboriginal I'm people saying. can't vote. <laughs> Sorry, Joe.
2: I was, uh, but Aboriginal people can vote sure this isn't an equivalent to suffrage they already have I've, have the ability yeah, yeah. to elect i'm
1: i'm purely sorry i'm i'm purely focusing on that issue from the point of view of um the the one of the anti you know the the arguments against women's suffrage was my wife is a total ditherhead and she'll never make a good decision in her life so she mm. shouldn't be given the right to vote um and that's i feel what any argument about you know i'm i'm afraid of what laws the uh, macarata commission um comes up with that we need to pass because they could be terrible things that you know blight australia for all eternity that's that's my you know that's where i hear that echo
0: I don't know. I'm just well, reading it. vaguely. It.
1: Made, made sense there or no, is the beer really kicking in I'm, now? I'm just,
0: I'm just reading <laughs> it as, as a request for power for a separate group. It as I read it and I don't think it'll fly with the people who are not in that group.
1: Oh, um, the good news
0: is, Trevor, it's, it's, Trevor it's, you're in the other, minority there. Here's the other way of looking at it is, um, <laughs> you know, if, if it needs to be enshrined in the constitution a reporting function about the plight of Indigenous communities, a caring function has to be enshrined in the Constitution because the risk is that future generations will want to ignore that responsibility unless they're forced to by the Constitution, then the problem... Is not solved by the constitution. Do you know what I mean? Like, if yeah, if your society you're, you're has right. degenerated to such a point that inherently it doesn't care about indigenous people, and it's but only doing and it's only doing something because it's in the constitution, and that they no. can't get rid of it because it's too difficult,
1: then then
0: you've got no, a bigger that's, problem.
1: That's kind of a false equivalence mm-hmm. to me. Um, the you know the the point of the the this being in the constitution is because any other lesser um any other commission with a lesser existence something that's just exists by virtue of the law can be taken away and therefore um you know the what, part of what, what, part of this, to me, is kind of what I said before about trust. That the problem, in part, here is that since the sixty-seven referendum, there have been the, the Aboriginal people have seen that there are p- governments that are perfectly prepared to take their rights away and ignore them, and make them the problem. Now, you know. The and so the in order, I guess the the, the other way of looking at the commit the the um constitution part of this is to say, okay, we can see that we have done you wrong in by a bunch of bad decisions of previous governments, and we would like to make sure you understand our commitment to you as an Aboriginal people by, by putting this. In the Constitution where we can't touch it until all of the people or enough of the people agree to touch it again mm-hmm. that's a good um, that's a good argument okay
0: I like that one that's that's got some merit to it um what what would this what would happen differently than what's happening now in terms of reporting and assisting and i mean is is there not enough consultation at the moment with indigenous communities is is it only an indigenous well, body what can an indigenous look,
1: body do look at that, what that happened couldn't... when malcolm turnbull like malcolm turnbull went to the aboriginal you know communities and said we'd like you to come up with something that as an Australian people, we, you know, the, the, all of us can agree will help the Aboriginal people going forward. And the Aboriginal people went away for months and months, did this, came back with the Uluru statement from, from the heart, and literally the same day, without even reading it, Turnbull said, no, no way. Not even looking at it, that—that that is how. And what was his that reason? That is how much respect those some of those people have for that sort of process. And, and what was his reason? He didn't give one. He's you... later said that he he made a mistake, as Barnaby Joyce did. By when Barnaby yeah. Joyce said it was a third, you know, third house of Parliament. So,
0: so that was Turnbull's that, r- reasons as well.
1: Um.
0: Uh, in that it it seemed I, to set up a separate class of people with special rights wasn't it along those lines
1: i don't so, you know, i remember uh, a i, I don't I, remember turnbull even giving it a, a specific reason that, i just that was, i think he just said the australian people would not accept this but, yeah that but, and this was after him going to them and saying please tell us what you want for yes. the, for, to, for, to then say, actually, no, the Australian people, uh, me as the representative of the Australian people, have yes. unilaterally decided yep. that, no, I, I'm not going to accept that. that. That's the problem.
0: Yes. My recollection, though, was he gave reasons along the lines of this sets up special rights for a certain, certain group, as in a special rights problem. So, um,
1: yeah. And he later yeah. said that was a mistake.
0: But, see, I, that. All right. Well, you know yeah. what we'll do? Well, we need to, at another episode or another time, come back with what Malcolm Turnbull's That's right. reasons what he were. Really did say, Be- yeah. Because, after all, it's entirely possible to say to a group, hey, guys, what's your view on what we should do here? And for the victim group to come up with a response. Where you just go? I think you've gone too far. Like, like, like I can't wait to say, but I think you've gone too yeah. far. So, so, um, so, okay. um, just, you you just need just to take to a be, break. You come back, yeah, Joe and I. <laughs> Joe and I will talk about other things. You come back, yep. and then we'll um, back in a sec. Yeah, you do that. We'll keep going. So, Paul's just having. Uh, he'll be back in a moment. And yep. uh, oh look, why don't I? Oh, I'm scared now, Joe. Do I dare look? <laughs> Do you look at the chat room? Start from the bottom. From the bottom <laughs> comment. Anne says his right-wing party was Turnbull's problem. Uh, Roman said, well said, Paul. I think that was in the bit that I said was a good argument. At least it was by enshrining it in the constitution you are indicating to Indigenous people how seriously you take the issue, which I think is a good argument. Um, uh. Somebody's got a Mac that's giving him problems. <laughs> um, Chris. Um, let me see. He's been
2: pouring beer in the keyboard, I believe.
0: Has he? Okay. Uh, uh, Roman says, surely it's obvious that such a commission should have diverse representation and it would be a governance requirement for this to be assured. Yeah. Such a diverse representation, because there is such a diverse potentially series of opinions, um, which is why, if it's purporting to take action or or use power on behalf of a group, it seems dangerous to me because they can't purport to. Um, I feel it's unlikely the group would be unanimous or not even on you know, many issues would have very different opinions uh what else is in the I was just going um Paul I was just going through the chat and um mm. and I'm sure you've got plenty of support in there uh, especially from Bronwyn um and
1: uh I I just seen Chris's comment there right I guess like I My first reaction can i just, I'll is... I'll just read it so that for the yeah,
0: people uh, who are listening. Yeah, go ahead. Can I ask a truly blonde-slash-ignorant question? Should Aboriginals get special considerations-slash-rights over anyone else in Australia, being that no one, like Trev said, from that generation is still alive? I'm not being racist, just curious what the answer is. So this is, you know... What are we talking about with the issues here with Indigenous people? Is it their current plight of certain Indigenous communities and people who are doing it tough, or is it inherited grievance from what was done to their ancestors, or both?
1: I, I think the... I'm absolutely not going to pretend to actually speak for these people, but the conversations that I've heard on this tend to just say the, we have a bunch of issues which are caused by structural problems in Australian society at the moment, and that's the issue that we want. Those are the issues that we want to deal with now. There have been other things like um, the uh, withholding or underpaying of pensions and salaries for Aboriginal workers in Western Australia and things like that where, yeah, there's kind of been complicated. um, This person was owed this this much and they never got paid it and they you know and then their granddaughter you know tries to get the money things like that and that's kind of another separate question there but i guess coming at it from the the structural problem point of view here um, i don't think that we need to um, well, yeah. The, the implication, this way. the mm-hmm. the the problem here is that we have a system which is which is racist, racist, but is pretending not to be because it doesn't mention race. And the the way to solve that, as the as they discovered in the US, is not by making sure that the rules, the, the laws don't mention race. Sometimes it's by enacting positive discrimination that says these people are treated, um, okay, let's say, are treated better, and I, as a white male don't actually have a problem with that. There are so, the, the proportions of populations we're talking about here, if all of those people got, you know, a tenth of my salary for free, then uh, we could probably hide that in the defence budget and no one would notice. You know, we probably spent more on um, submarines that we did on, you know, that that we then we would if we just gave people kind of a positive discri- just positive discrimination amount of money and that's not really what we're talking those those people but, are wanting but either is it, but is
2: it about money because quite often no. it's about um jobs it's uh, yeah, and yeah. you're saying we are hiring people who are not necessarily the best person for the role but because they fit a certain demographic and therefore we are Getting suboptimal,
1: if that makes sense. Sure, but let me let me sort of touch on a, a thing that my work in particular has done over the last couple of years. Um, we had in in twenty twenty we hired four basically university graduates, and we said that basically the deal was. If you're keen to work for the company that I work for, we will throw training at you for a year, and as long as you meet objectives along the way, then um, you you have a career path here. And the thing that really interested me about that those four. Junior consultants that started uh, was they were actually all all four of them from different minorities. We didn't hire them for that, but we said, you know, actually, fitness for job is is irrelevant because we can throw job training at you. What we care about is are you keen to work, and that was it. We didn't ask, are you from some special category or not? But um, we, and we've done the same program this year. We have about, uh, you know, like a, a kind of a, a similar variety of people, not all from minorities anymore, but, you know, the. Um, I feel like the fallacy or there, there's a fallacy inherent in the argument that um, we have to have, hire the best person for the job just by virtue of the fact that actually, no, you don't have to hire the best person, the most qualified person. Sometimes what you need to hire is the person who's who's who wants to work there the most, who's going to be the keenest to work there. But I'd also say that that, um argument suffers from um the the implicit bias problem that we there is countless studies showing that as soon as you you know introduce information about gender into um resumes there is those resumes the, the the ones with male names get chosen for specific jobs, and the ones with female names get chosen for other specific jobs. And there's just this inherent bias, even though they've tested, you know, like they literally give the same um the same resume, formatted differently, with two different people's names, and the male one gets chosen and the female one doesn't. For an IT job, say.
0: Similar things with an Indian name as well. Sure, for
2: sure. But, but so, so I, yeah. I, I would argue that the way to counter that is to blind your resumes rather than to sure. say we're going to weight our outputs in a certain I mean
1: Isn't that might, a kind of weighting? No, it's just blinding it. The there's another bias in that um so i i yeah i agree I'm prepared to agree that by blinding the resumes you've you've eliminate one source of bias there's also uh, a study that was done where if um jobs in i t companies focused on technical skills then more males um applied and if even it was if it was the same actual job like a managing position say but if they focused on the people skills side of the job then more women applied even though it was the same job and even though you might be looking at the same qualifications of candidate um and then there's the third problem that um and Yeah, There's another program that they're working on in the company that I work for, which is called Return to Work. And the basic idea is that people, if you've been away uh, out of the the IT industry, because I work in the IT industry, um, if you've been away from that industry for a while and you want to come back in, then... You apply through this return to work program, and again we throw training at you because we know that those, if those people are keen to work for us, then that gap in their resume doesn't really count. But the a lot of there are a lot of professions where if you have that gap in your resume because you've being a stay-at-home dad or a stay-at-home mum for a couple of years you because you needed to ca- take care of an aged parent, then there are a lot of jobs which will just implicitly frown on that. Then you have the question, um, you know, I heard a, a fantastic interview from a lady um, who was from, like, Liverpool in Sydney, and she's a high-flying businesswoman. But one guy literally stopped talking to her and walked away when he found out where she was from because, oh, you're from th- the poor suburbs. Mm. You know, the the problem is that, for, you know, and he didn't look at her resume. He didn't look at her, you know, any of her qualifications. Um, a lot of companies are still going to do basically a, know a video link or face-to-face interview so you're going to they're going to see your gender and their skin your skin color sooner or later there are still all these opportunities for implicit bias there's the did you go to ipswich grammar or did you go to ipswich high school or did you go to brisbane grammar because you know we (laughs) their the bus was like you know close by um you know Friend of mine in the same suburb went to Switch Grammar. Um, other people in the same suburb probably went to to Kenmore High. You know, those that just that fact can bias a resume. yeah. Oh, so, um, you know. a,
2: a pretty face is going to get hired.
1: Uh, a taller sure. person
2: is going to get promoted. Uh, yeah, there there are lots of biases in there,
0: and um, a, a lot of this uh, bias affects. You know, different identities, not just indigenous, and different social classes. So, working class,
1: and and, yeah, one of the points in critical race theory is that the intersection of those, you know, a an Aboriginal woman is going to face a bunch more problems than an Aboriginal an Aboriginal person or a woman, sort of combined. You know, Mm.
2: but the the concern is, yeah, um, where you get uh, in the US. The College admissions Board, who've now defined Asians as being white because too many Asians were coming to Harvard,
1: and there was a special um, sort of Asian entrance kind of allowance is that was that the point?
2: Well it was a reduced allowance they They were saying basically too many Asians were turning up because they weren't a good enough minority, uh, and therefore they reduced the number of Asians coming through. Mm. because they were scoring consistently high SAT scores.
0: So there was a discrimination against Asians in Harvard. Mm.
2: Certainly a lot of um, – there has been a thing in the last few years in the U.S. of uh, the Ivy League schools have been pushing back on the number of Asians because it wasn't suiting the demographics. Mm-hmm. And, and it was almost engineering demographics.
0: I mean, there is an argument if you have large organizations that you would want them to be representative of the community that you're serving, and that it would be good business practice to do that. So, um, yes, so and
1: I, it would also be nice to live in a not racist society. Yes. Yep. So, how does our current parliament fare?
0: in terms of Indigenous representation?
1: Oh, I don't know. Probably fairly um, poorly if you actually want representation. Maybe um, it's actually there were two... uh, Both the uh, representatives from the Northern Territory were Indigenous, weren't they? Um, So it might actually be kind of close to the 3% um, average, but, you know... The, again, just because there is 3%, you know, say 3% representation in the, the federal parliament doesn't mean we've dealt with any of the other structural, right, stru- structural problems. No, and that, but that, it is kind I of think...
0: relevant when we're talking about a voice to parliament in that we are implicitly saying parliament is not hearing what Indigenous people are from Indigenous communities enough. And, you know, when we look at other uh, identity groups, we would say... They're not required to. Yeah, we would look at other uh, minority groups and we would say, you know, obviously there's a disabled component in the community. There should be some disabled people in our parliament if things are working out right. Um, Hmm.
2: uh,
0: so, So let's look at senators because... Let's face it, the House of Representatives is unrepresentative swill. (laughs) (laughs) Just flipping (laughs) over the um, competing statement because, you know, I mean, you've only got to look at the number of votes that the Greens get in the House of Reps and the number of seats compared to the number of votes that the Nationals get and the number of seats. Sure. It's an unrepresentative chamber in that sense, whereas the Senate... we're getting closer to representing the actual votes in terms of the number of representatives. So 76 senators, uh, four of them who identify as Indigenous, so 5.3%. And the um, latest census figures were that uh, in the Australian population it was um, 3.2%. So... Yeah kind of over in the Senate. So, mm-hmm. so one counter-argument to a special voice to Parliament would be, well, uh, the Parliament is meant to represent our community and on the face of it, uh, the Senate does.
1: Um, except it- the, I don't know who those Indigenous senators are, but I would wager that the senate is not obliged to you know listen to them i mean i i think it's very interesting that the independents um are in the house of reps and federal house of reps are, are um calling for i can't remember where this got up to but they're calling for more time to be given to independent bills um yeah and for essentially for the government to give in you know give up the dorothy Dixes, and the yeah, labor said no to that but um yeah, the again the problem is just because they have a representative there does not mean and to kind of borrow your argument from before do, doesn't mean that that one person can truly represent, say, you know, but I'm, any I'm, particular I'm, I'm issue. I,
0: I am sure that Linda Burney, Ken Wyatt, Senator Pat Dodson, Jackie Lambie, uh, Maland, Malandiri McCarthy, and Senator Lydia Thorpe would be advocating pretty strongly for Indigenous rights and consideration, as they. A deal with bills from time to time, like what should sure. they not?:
1: But the Senate doesn't have the ability to create new legislation, only the House of Reps has the ability to start that process.
0: Yeah but I mean, they're in the Parliament.
1: Yeah, so, sure. So uh, you know, they you know, get it's, they get some voice, but uh, the, it's, it's, it's a, all of the and, and of the, and, and the voice I'm to get to
0: the do. the voice department is not going to have any power to initiate any
1: legislation
0: either, is it? Because it's not going to have any power apparently.
1: Well, we don't know what that what that but, looks like. I'm interested just to quickly pick something that Chris has said. Right. Um, does the Aboriginal community consider themselves our community? And I guess I would just, my reaction to that is just to say some of them do, but I can understand um, the structural racism problem makes them feel like they are not part of our community, you know, in the same way that, you know, I don't know, I can go, you know, Go down to the the mall and you know ask someone for a, you know, to borrow their phone to make a phone call. Um, they may not feel like they can do that kind of thing. Um, so, if but if but uh... I don't think that's like the th- thing I really wanted to kind of address on that is was just that I don't think that's um, worth focusing on. The question I, I is not, not whether they whether whether some people might feel alienated or not. The question is, do we want them to feel alienated? And I don't think we do. If, if people sorry, were sorry.
0: feeling alienated, do you think they'd be trying to hide their Indigenous identity? I mean, if you're a persecuted group and if you being were passing, indi- an Indigenous was a disadvantage, do you think so you So if would, you could
2: pass as a white person, would you claim to be a Aboriginal?
0: Yes, if you were being systematically discriminated against.
1: So I heard an interesting version of that from a Dalit woman from India, and the Dalit are the untouchable caste, the people that you're not supposed to ever deal with. And 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 the real problem with the caste system is that you there is nothing you can do to escape it. You cannot be born out of that caste you cannot learn or promote yourself out of that caste the only way you can escape is by pretending that you are not from that caste but of course as soon as you encounter any other Indian person especially the um the the uh, the higher caste people they will ask oh where are you from oh what's your surname Oh, that's an interesting one. I, you know, where's that from? You know And they will track you down. They don't have to ask, "Are you Dalit?" They can just work it out by your background and you know, your, your surname and your, um, and so these people have to actually pretend that they're people, they're not. they change their names. Um, so because of their persecution, because of the
0: hard time they get, they, they will take steps to downplay or, or hide. That that cast,
1: because that's for those people. They that is the only way they can escape that. Mm. And so I would agree that there are going to be some people that, you know, again we're talking about a. We can't make a homogenous judgment about a heterogeneous group. You know, there are some people that are going to say, no, absolutely, I will stand up and you know claim my race there are some people that will quietly hide it and there are probably situations in which some people would do both, you know, in one circumstance and the other. So, you know, I don't, but again, I don't think that should be seen as a kind of unifying problem or unifying principle. Like it's, it's not that, um, you know, if someone denies being Aboriginal in one circumstance, therefore they're no good. You know, I'm not saying or they're no good. I'm just, I'm just, sure. um,
0: I'm just. But other people would make that judgment. You know, so. I'm, I'm not disputing that there is, um, you know, racism in Australia in different circumstances. But it's always going to be a question of of how much, and there's always a spectrum. And I, I, if you um, look at the statistics on people identifying as Indigenous. Um, I've got this article from the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, when Jaclyn Troy saw the latest census results showing a significant rise in the number of people identifying as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, she felt delighted. The census released showed 812,728 people identifying as Indigenous, which was a 25% rise on five years earlier. And uh, she said it's encouraging to see people are no longer feeling suppressed or afraid to identify as Aboriginal. Um, I think it's reflecting the real demographics of the nation. That's a wonderful thing. But not everyone was so delighted by the increase. Nathan Moran, Chief Executive of the Metropolitan Local Aboriginal Land Council, said the census increase demonstrated the need for an official review into Aboriginal self-identification, rather than the current question, which asks respondents whether they are of Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander origin. He wants the statistic, or the ABS, to ask, are you a verified or authenticated Aboriginal person? I think the ABS question is misleading, not productive and ineffective, he said. This has caused a skewing in the number of Aboriginal people it creates. For some, the illusion that we have a much larger population than practical reality. Moran was echoing the concerns of Aboriginal Land Council of Tasmania Chair Michael Mansell He said he found it unbelievable that 5% of Tasmanians now identify as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. And he wrote that um, the increase in Tasmania was largely due to identity seekers who are poor and white and believe they will have more cultural cachet if they identify as Aboriginal.
1: Uh, Many poor whites...
0: Sorry? Sorry?
1: Yeah, uh, that that feels like a a a judgment rather than something he has actual statistics on.
0: Well, what he's saying is that uh, a twenty five percent increase from five years ago could not be due to uh,
1: birth rate. Sure. Birth rate.
0: So it's it's people who are who were undeclared why is it so five years ago. To
1: believe that a bunch of people that were were, were hiding their identity. Um, because they actually felt ashamed of it, and now maybe they don't. Mm. Why is that difficult to believe? Well, I, oh, I'm the
0: point I'm getting to is that if inherent racism is is is, is chronic, then people would not be um, putting themselves forward as Indigenous if if there was an extreme level of systematic racism so uh so I'm just pushing back on the level of racism in urban Australia, and this is where the increase where the increases are, particularly in Canberra, I think was a hot spot of increased indigenous identification yeah, so that's
1: a, I've been told that's a complicated situation
0: right so um so just uh uh so yeah, just sort of where you painted a picture earlier of, of the discrimination in um, sort of job applications and things. And I don't disagree that there's discrimination, but also um, there's lots of areas of life now where being Indigenous is not a problem at all. And uh, it's quite a nice life, thank you very much, in modern Australian urban environments. Um,
1: I feel that this is something that you can say, you know, when it's a hat you can take off and put on, and no one notices the difference. It's much more difficult if it's something that, you know, where the color of your skin is very different, um, or you know, um, the accent that you speak with, um, you know, I'm always wary They're getting these. the best of
0: both worlds, some of these people, in that, I, in that they're not getting the walk-down-the-street racism when they enter the pub of people looking at them twice or thinking they're about to shoplift when they're just browsing in an electronic store. So they're not getting that racism... But they're...
1: Uh, but so, they may so they're, so they're the ATSIC box, so, so they're you know, the, um, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait mm. Island box, because, you know, in some form, because there's a requirement for those people to be seen by the doctor's surgery as, a, you know, more urgently or something like that, you know, or, you know, in a culturally sensitive way. Mm. Um, yeah, I like... Where the the bit that I really want to push back on is, is the way this whole argument reminds me of um, Ronald, Re- Ronald Reagan's um, welfare queens. Mm. Um, they never existed. Mm. They were a complete made up thing in a speech. Mm. And what, what was that story again? He, that was- so, so he claimed that there were sort of welfare queens living off you know multiple forged identities um that were living the lush lifestyle and getting all of you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in welfare money because they claimed to be you know like getting five or six you know separate benefits yep and and that was his justification for cracking down on mm the benefits that were paid, who, you know, the identification needed, um, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And it suited the Republican agenda very well because it also meant that they could cut the services to Mm. a lot of those people. But those people never actually existed. There was Mm. no statistical, uh, you know, identifiable group that...
2: I I definitely know someone who is white-passing but has uh, a grandparent, I think, who is Aboriginal. Uh, and they have said, yeah, absolutely. If I um, go and get a home loan, I can get a better rate if I identify as Aboriginal. Um, there are certain advantages, and yet to speak to them, you wouldn't know that they were Aboriginal. So I, I, yeah, I don't know that it's that uncommon, that there are a lot of people who I'm not saying that they have a very good life. Um, they are relatively, they're they're one of the battlers. Sure. Sure. Um, so every, every bit of help that you can get from the government, why wouldn't you accept it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my partner and i have this had this joke for a long time but you know sooner or later we will find some benefit that we can claim <laughs> we never ever have never found that but yep. and and so part of what i really want to kind of get to there is that the 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 fear that reagan put out was that there are people making millions of dollars off your hard-earned taxes. And the fear in this kind of agenda is that by having a special, you know, even if you call it a special voice to parliament, let's say it actually gets to make laws, the fear is that somehow that will be turned against us white Australians or whatever and i firstly i think that's there's no evidence for that but secondly to me it is uh a, a, you know it is a distraction from then saying well could we do good by this because yeah okay sure there will always be some people that steal there'll always be some people that cheat and there are you know stores just build in a certain amount of shoplifting, you know, that's just, we, you know, if, if I found out that someone was, you know, ticking the box on the ATSIC, or sorry, the you know, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander form and getting a better bank rate, then I'm like, okay, well, great. It's not, it's not actually costing me basically anything, you know, if that you can concern. do it, per- personally, Go ahead.
0: I don't have a fear of people rotting the system and getting extra money, even though I suspect it could happen. It's more Hi. it's more the human rights uh, distinction of deciding to have separate rights for separate people. Now you're saying the Uluru statement is not about rights and power, it's just about recognizing past wrongs and saying it's important but without actually providing any special rights or powers. And if that's all it is, well and good. But the other part of it is my concern is that the people who will end up in these bodies purporting to represent Indigenous people are, are going to be people with a very different lived experience to the Indigenous people who actually really need the help. And I will see them as, uh, as, as being unqualified uh, to give meaningful assistance um, because uh, their connection with remote Indigenous people needing help is, is – it just doesn't exist. So and that's my concern. We've seen
2: with um, advisory groups, I would say, certainly in, in terms of religion – is that you get the, the the minority in the minority. So there's been a problem in the UK with uh, what they call Asians, which we would call Indians, so people from the Indian subcontinent, yeah. um, where the community speaks and that there is a minority within that community who don't have the same values you know, the the gay mm-hmm. people the um who yes. are effectively ostracized yep. because they don't fit in with the official voices representation. Mm. Uh, and so you, you get a very um narrow view, and my concern would be that a advisory body would be swamped by certain groups, for instance the Christians who would be very keen to engineer that, no, 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 the Aboriginals are against abortion, Uh, which I think we did see, didn't
0: we? Yes, yeah, I think we did.
1: Yeah, some purported to say Mm. that, yeah.
2: Mm. Oh, no, it was voluntary assisted dying.
1: And – and another uh, complication there was the slow uptake of um, the COVID vaccines amongst Aboriginal people, in part because we've had a bunch of bad history of giving questionable medicine to Aboriginal people in the past, and I don't kind of blame them for not trusting us this time, but, you know, that that is also... Was also fertile territory for the anti-vaxxers, and you know, difficult territory to tread.
2: And the same in America with Tuskegee, which is yeah a classic.
1: What's yeah where, what's um, that? What's, yeah what's yep the Tuskegee massacre where they but um, yeah. um,
2: basically before antibiotics were no 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 it was um, so before antibiotics were really um, around they started measuring uh, syphilis in a group of black people in Tuskegee in, in the Southern United States. That's- uh, when in the forties antibiotics became available and were a cure for syphilis, they didn't give them um, uh, penicillin because they wanted to see what was the long-term effects of syphilis. Oh, God. Right. Yeah. So they left uh, syphilis untreated and right. continued through to the seventies, I think. Hmm. Uh, leaving these people untreated for syphilis just to see medically what happened to them.
1: Hmm. Coincidentally, Uh, all of them were black.
2: Yes. Um, And and they were followed up. They saw uh, nurses at the very least, I think doctors as well, on a regular basis under the guise of being treated, Hmm. but they were never given treatment.
1: They were just monitored. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not particularly surprised that um, yeah, you might get someone from one of those Aboriginal communities saying, "No, we don't want your vac- vaccines here, but again, that's just a minority, and that may, they may not speak for everyone. Um, the, uh, the other example of that is there's been a bunch of mining companies, I think over, especially over in Western Australia, who find one group within the Aboriginal community in a place promise them a bunch of things and say, can you be the Aboriginal Land Council here so we can tick off that we've got the uh, the okay from the Aboriginal Land Council in this area to do our mining? Um, and then um, the rest of the people go, hey, wait, what? <laughs> mm. You didn't,
0: we didn't vote for you. Mm. you know? one, one final um, aspect to this extremely long podcast episode. Yes. <laughs> Joe, is anybody still with us? Or they just abandoned us? Uh, I can't see that. There this. are six people still watching. Oh, good on you. You're champions if you're still
1: there. Chris is, Chris is yeah. going strong there. Yeah.
0: Is, um, I look at uh, things from a class issue. And for me, uh, the imperative in terms of Indigenous people is to assist those who are suffering in poverty and in bad circumstances the yep. lower class, if you like. Yep. And so I would be in favour of anybody that that seeks to improve the needs of, of the lower class Indigenous community who are suffering. Yep. But I really don't really care about the middle and upper class Indigenous persons' particular needs any more than I do the middle class upper class white persons in particular they're no different to me they're the same so yeah. i i uh i just um i'm concerned about where we where we are wanting to be cognizant of the indigenous populations' opinions and thoughts and needs and desires on whatever issue hmm. which includes the middle and upper class segments of the indigenous community, and um, I don't really care. I want to know about the lower class, the suffering class. That's what I want to know about. So for me, yeah, indigenous identity, I don't care. It's yeah, it's suffering, poverty, class that I care, yeah. and my concern with, uh, and you know, is. The problem you- with the left is is the – and Kieran O'Reilly in the interview I did a few weeks ago had a sort of a, a passing reference to how the left has uh, basically decided to pursue identity issues and ignore class. Now, I'm sure Kieran is all in favour of uh, Uluru's statement and everything else, that uh, but um, I, I see an inconsistency there. So I um, – I'm concerned about class and and not the identity of Indigenous people, and I don't believe in inherited grievance of forefathers. I care about present circumstance. So that's where I feel, again, the hijacking by inner-city elites of the issue is what I could see easily happening.
1: I kind of agree. Um, I certainly think that I would much rather trust any... Any uh, Aboriginal university trained um, inner city elite to speak, to, to be more in touch with um, the issues of the Aboriginal people? Um, then of, who? Of any, then then, then any, a white person of the same any, qualifications? Any, sure. and By virtue and, of? Yes, um, by virtue of mixing with those people one of the things that has really struck me in thinking about this is that i'm i'm trying to diversify my friend group but it is still very you know based around white and usually men um i know only a handful of people from non-European backgrounds, um, you know, people you know, or have you know, friendships with those people. So, you know, I don't trust myself to say, yeah, I know what Indian people, I don't, I don't, don't even really want to, you know, say I know what Aboriginal people want in this because <laughs> but, I'm not. But, but, you're, but you're insulting I them would... to suggest they all think the same. Like that assumes that they would have a common view on something. I don't think I'm um, claiming anything about whether they all think the same. All I'm saying is that I would trust a person who identifies in that grouping more to represent them than a person not in that grouping, Mm. in the same way that I do not trust Tony Abbott to be the Minister for Women, even though he... Might know many women, you know. Mm. <laughs> I'd rather actually have a woman do that job, um, and
0: mm. uh, I don't know because yeah. Anyway. I mean, we've argued. We'll, we'll finish this up, but, but we've argued previously about Priest Pascoe and and the criticism in the in the subsequent book. I can't remember the name of it, which was written by some white academics. Yep. And, and my reading of gonna,
1: it, you're not gonna. Not, uh, you're not going to dig this up at quarter to ten, are you, Trevor? <laughs> just, just because
0: it's relevant. But you could well argue that the white people in that case had a better understanding of Indigenous culture than Bruce Pascoe. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I. It's a yeah. That's a view. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. will. I'll concede. Um, yeah. I can see points of validity in it. I'm not sure I agree with it. But, yeah.
0: And you better um, not start an argument at, at five no, to ten.
1: I'm not not gonna do that. <laughs> all right. Well if you hung
0: around in the chat room all this time, congratulations. If you've listened yeah. to the podcast all this time, congratulations, you've made it to the end. Don't forget what a I special said. Prize. Yes. Don't forget yeah. what I said at the very beginning, which was if you're in Queensland, write to us Trevor at com dot Tell me what state electorate you're in. Tell me you're willing to meet your local member and talk about religious instruction lessons because we need some names. So, um, so John Simmons is there. Good on you, um, and good on you, Paul, for um, uh, good on you, Paul, for your contribution. Thank you very much. Um, so I've survived the Shark Tank. Yes, Landon Hardbottom will be very happy. Actually, he's disappeared. He was here earlier, but he's looks like he's disappeared. Um, So, yeah, we've gone – oh, my goodness me, that's a long episode. Uh, I'm tempted (laughs) to split it into two. I don't know. Not a bad idea. I might split it into two. Okay, all right. This, This might be divided into two in the actual podcast. We'll see how we go. All right, everybody, if you're in the chat room, thanks very much. We're going to end the live stream now. Talk to you later.
2: Have a good one. And it's a good night from him. Fist, glove, 12th man, hard bottom here. Your last episode was only one hour long and not the one hour and 30 minutes I've become accustomed to. You owe me 33 cents and if I don't get it, I'll be sending some rather large chaps around there to perform their own kind of knee surgery on you.
0: Well, dear listener,